Brotaku, Met of Culture, Games Weekly, Episode 9, recorded Thursday, December 19th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, joined as always by my good pal, Jordan. Hello. Back again. I didn't print you off one because you didn't put any of your games on here. <laughs> oh yeah, this is it's just going to be this and yeah. talking about this. So yeah. the show this week, uh, we're recording so early because my cousin Tyler and his fiance Sam are getting married next Monday. Congratulations to them. Congrats. Uh, I'm officiating and I'm in the wedding, which <laughs> happens to be right around the time we normally record. So we just uh, decided to go ahead and record an episode early, but that means we're not going to have a traditional run of show. We're just going to do the topic of the week. But the topic of the week is a big one, Jordan. Yeah. But um, before we get into that, next week we'll be back to normal. We'll do some news. Light news time anyway. Yeah, this time it, of year. we already got the big news like weeks out of the way that, you know, the, the new releases and stuff. Now now it's time to, to let it uh, marinate. Time to let it set in the but, excitement. But I will have to send you so you can look up the, the topic of conversation. We got an email. Really? We did. So we'll hit that next week. Thank Excellent. you, Matt Check. Hey. The big lovable guy. Call, <laughs> love calling him. everyone out for like quite a few weeks now. I know. We uh, got our first one. I'm excited. Real men. I'm hoping that can become like another just part of the show. Like that'd be kind of cool if we could. I like, can definitely go an extra hour. So go ahead and <laughs> put in as many emails as you can so we can extend the time of the show. All right, but anyway, like we said, this week we are simply doing our topic of the week, but it is a big one. Jordan, we're going over our top 10 games of the decade. It it is a big one. It is a big one, and I did message you earlier. Theoretically, when we look at the decade, like 2020 is just starting. So we're looking back 10 years, 2009's in play. I don't know if that affects your list any. It it affected my list I know there's a... Big certain MOBA game that actually released that year <laughs> that you like to play, so maybe you know, I don't know. We'll dig into it. I figure we'll go back and forth. Let's do our actual top 10 first, and then we'll get into honorable mentions because my honorable mentions list is like a mile long. Sounds good, I'm into it. <laughs> Jordan, I will start. My number 10 is World of Warcraft Classic 2019. We talk about this to death every week, so here say, we go again. Surprising no um, one. And we discussed a little bit before we started recording. This was kind of, the top of my list was kind of hard because there were so many games I just wanted to have on here. But I feel like World of Warcraft, like it ended up in my mind being worth mentioning again because it's fascinating to me that a game that came out in two thousand four with two thousand four ideals is still the most impressive version of this game that at least we can play today. I'd be interested to see if we get to Wrath what that looks like, but. Man, we, we talk about it all the time. The fact that Classic WoW is just a journey. Like, the whole experience is an adventure. Like, 1 to 60 is, like, a fun game to play. Unlike in unlike in more traditional WoW times where you get your expansion and you just race to the just end. Just trying game. to blast through, yeah. Yeah. And, and everything's designed. Again, this is all stuff you've heard. I'm sorry. But it's it's worth mentioning. Like, things are designed to, like, you have to talk to people. You have to have fun. Um, Blizzard's finally... Blizzard's finally getting somewhere with this. Like they, they finally got the servers figured out with the PvP. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of these alliance servers that died off are just dead. Like that's not coming back. But there are paid server transfers now, so you never know. Uh, yeah. I mean, upon closer reflection of Classic, I realized the reason why it does so well in comparison to his retail uh, brother, and I think it it has to do with. It doesn't follow 
ironically, like very ironically, it doesn't follow the formula of MMOs, which is so strange because it it it's one of the original MMOs. It, it's not like the MMO because I think it was like EverQuest, right? That was that started everything. EverQuest, uh, Ultima Online, yeah, one of those, those older two ones, yeah. Um, but it definitely was the one that like survived and even thrived for a while. And then it's still the one that's surviving like the most out of all of them, especially with the purely subscription format. Like, yeah, and I hate this whole like oh the game evolved because it was bad argument that it has. It's like since the games evolved to like be a more modern MMO, the games lost a ton of subscribers. That's like, what the I game said. peaked during its third expansion, Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah, it's not. I guess technically uh, the second expansion, but the third iteration yeah. of the game. Uh, it's not following the for the the formula that it built for itself and that it built for other MMOs. Uh, uh, one of the honorable mentions that's going to be on my list. Well, I'll go into that as well. But there was a year where MMOs were just popping out of the out of the ground, like like. You know, yeah, and like MMOs meets. are hard to make, so that during that pop-up phase, that was companies finally catching up to wanting to do their WoW thing. Yeah, so and and before and then after that happened, and everyone was following that formula that WoW had built up to, it became that formulaic thing, and it it stopped building and trying to you know supplant what it had already built, and it started going you know uh, horizontally in in progress. And uh, I think that's when people started to not like it anymore as much. And that's why I agree with your pick that WoW Classic is definitely an experience. Because for an MMO, it's completely different from whatever is out there right now, currently. Which is strange, because <laughs> it's supposedly, like, the to some people, like, the lesser form. Like, it's, it's without those changes that it's made. Right, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with preferring the modern version of the game. Like, if that's your taste, that's your taste. But, like... Like, like I just say, my point is, like, the game has started losing people. Like, Wrath was the start of a lot of the systems that people don't like. The Dungeon Finder, which led to the Raid Finder. Just the simplification of things. And the game has gone downhill ever since. Like, there's been spikes around expansion launches. Of course, people are interested. They want to see. But, like, I mean, the first, like, through Wrath of the Lich King, most of Wrath of the Lich King, the game just grew. Like, it never shrunk. And Even with the first introduction of, Mon- of uh, Dungeon Finder, I... When I was playing Dungeon Finder, you still kept that sense of camaraderie because you would find a good dungeon, random dungeon group. Um, because I don't think it was shared between servers yet, right? Yeah, I think it was just your server. When it, it was started. just your server. So I think I don't, I don't actually remember, but uh, you were still making friends. Like you would, yeah, you would find a good dungeon you would end group, up with and, theme. and you're like, hey, you want to run another? Yeah, yeah, let's go. And then you would just keep hitting random dungeons, and and that was your whole night. Was just finding like one group or one or two groups and something like that. Maybe someone's got to dip out. You find a new replacement, and you keep running with those same people, and that that friendship stayed. But when it became more like systematic, I suppose, is when things started to lose its charm. Uh, people didn't stick around as much. They just went to the the next one or whatever like that. Right, and that, I mean, especially the MMO genre, like. Outside of the few that have survived, like your Final Fantasy fourteen, your World of Warcraft, your big ones anyway. I mean, it's kind of evolved into like that shared game space, like Monster Hunter, for example, Destiny two, like that's kind of where the genre evolved into. I agree. Alright. Jordan, what's your number ten? My number ten. And I guess if we want to do this where like if one of us 
has a similar one, but it's further down, let's save the discussion till further down. So, like, if my number eight is your number one, we'll save the discussion to talk about it as your number one. Yes, because I was just about to mention uh, Overwatch is my number ten. Okay, well, that's actually fine. We can do that now because that's my number nine. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> so, Overwatch is my number ten for a couple of reasons. One, when it first released, even in its beta, that whole weekend was just Overwatch. And I think you were part of that weekend too, right? Where oh, we yeah. just we just hammered out because everyone everyone got beta keys and we're like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. And we when I say that that weekend, that's all that we did. Like we were there for like eight nine hours. Oh yeah, playing yeah, it was, just it was a Overwatch. Good it was a good weekend. It was, and and that's the fondest part of my memory that I had of Overwatch. Honestly, before people started getting like frustrated with it, there wasn't so many. Uh, I think it's another. Yeah, people. I people forget how good the launch was. Yeah, like, it was amazing in comparison to like whatever else Blizzard has done, and it it brings up the weird problem that Blizzard has, which is it makes changes that on paper are very good changes that are supposed to make people happy, but for some reason Blizzard fans hate the good changes. Well, and it's just kind of frustrating too, because I mean, kind of going back to WoW, but even in this, like. Blizzard makes changes and just stubbornly stand by them, despite everybody screaming from the rooftops, we don't like this. And yes, sometimes sometimes developers do need to stand by it, because you do need to give time to see. But like, there are certain things, like the dive meta existed for so long in Overwatch, and that was like the biggest complaint I always heard about. Like Nobody liked this dive meta. That, and it wasn't that people didn't like it, it's just that they were stuck in it for like a year and a half. And that's because they've been working on Overwatch too, but like... You can't let something go stale for so long when the whole point of it's, like, multiplayer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a good example of that would be um, when Overwatch first released, you can pick any of the same type of hero that you wanted. Like, you can fit, if you wanted a whole team of Bastions, which was pretty common, you can have a whole oh, team God. of Bastions. You can have, like, two Torbjorns and then, like, have, My like... Boy. Have like one Reinhardt, and you could just run the the payload with a virtual tank. Honestly, especially because when I picked up the game for the like when I actually bought the game, I was on PS4 and I played Torbjorn. Oh man, these controller kids didn't know how to handle. Oh that yeah, turret. definitely. It was. He's <laughs> like, oh man, this thing has better you know aim assist than I do. <laughs> you know, well it'll, it'll point you out, and people love that mode so much that it only recently got a resurrection in the modern day Overwatch with like you can choose like that wild play. Uh, but before that, they, they outlawed it. They're like, all right, only one hero. And then they're like, all right, now you can only have one type of, you know, you, you have to select your role and you have to stick with that role. And if you don't get that role, you got to play something else. Which is like, it from uh, like I said, on pen and paper is good because now you don't have someone going Genji when you really need a tank as a Reinhardt. But that person just wanted to play Genji. Yeah, the two the two 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 update was definitely a wonderful update for the competitive scene, but like I don't understand how that ended up being in the game cuz like I don't actually just play normal quick play anymore. Like I'm always in the arcade because I don't want the two beat the 222. Yeah, exactly. Cuz in the same time, like what if you just have like a DPS that sucks and it would be better to have 3 DPS? Then like We've come across two, times yeah, like exactly. that where it's like, okay, they have a lot of snipers. We're going to have a bunch of tanks, and we're going to have like one diver that goes behind and kills the snipers while they're focused on the tanks or whatever like that. Sometimes you like running two healers and one tank. Maybe sometimes you like running three tanks, one healer, and like uh, a couple DPS or whatever like that. Whatever works. But 
they would they would run comp is what they call it. I believe it's called comp, which is comp team composition. Uh, they they figured out like there's a there's a specific type that everyone usually averagely goes for. You know, like two tanks, two DPS, two uh, defenders or snipers or whatever like that, or supports, things like that. Uh, and that's what you have to stick to now. But before it was, people were trying new things out. It, it was really fun. It was cool. It was, oh, they have a Bastion now. We got to do a Pharaoh because her rockets can go. You know, they keep going, and it, it forces him to get up and move to a different position. But people think about that less now and just think of overall. And I think a lot of multiplayer games suffer from that same thing where they had to, they had to adapt, uh, and then they stop adapting at one point and just like, okay, this this comp works. We're just gonna do this for yeah, now. Yeah, especially on. in the modern day of the internet where everybody just wants to do what's the best. Which is what they were doing for a long time in the competitive scene when it first started. It was uh, they they did Soldier seventy six, they did Tracer, they did they always had a Widowmaker no matter what, and then uh, everything else would be like Winston Reinhardt or like Mercy things like that, and and it got really boring. <laughs> That's that was its problem. It's it, it just got, it lost its charm. It got boring. All right, Jordan, your number nine, since Overwatch was my number nine. Did you have anything to add to it? Like, um, no, like, like I said, I, my big thing and why it was so high, like, if the game had continued with the steam it had, this would have been in the top five for me. But, like, I still, I still get on and enjoy playing the game once in a while. Like, it's still an enjoyable experience for a casual, but, like, everything's just too, like, the game was made to be an eSport, and the eSports has just, dom- like... Basically, like, like, clearly Blizzard cares about the art side of this game more than the casual side of the game. Yeah. At least at this point. We'll see what happens with Overwatch 2, but... Plus your friends are not online anymore. Like, that was a big thing, too. Yeah, and I, I mean, I played recently, like, Robert, Phil, and them. They have a group that they play with quite a bit that I, I'll get on with once in a blue moon. I haven't done it in, like, a month or two, but... um, Yeah, no, I just... That, that first experience was so much fun. Like you said, when everybody was just out there trying to figure out what everything was that was an incredible time and i liked it a lot let's just uh let's stop mincing words and just blame josh for uh it when he left uh the whole team our our healer left and then the whole team disbanded it's actually ironically one of the last times i played was with josh josh yeah i know it's so nice because you can just play so recklessly (laughs) because you don't have to worry about anything yeah he's got your back no matter what uh my number nine is Super Smash Brothers. Save it. Save it? Because yours Save is high it. up there? A little bit. I okay. assume we're talking Ultimate, right? I'm talking any of them, but oh. Ultimate in particular. Okay, save it. My number eight, Jordan. All right. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, you talked about this, how this could be your one of your favorite games of all... I mean, at least of this year, but... I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, because next year's game topic of the week is going to be Game of the Year. Gonna be pretty high up there. Um, so this game, as I've described it before, has um, the Uncharted style of traversal, Tomb Raider. Some have called it. It's a Metroidvania where you go around and like fight, like where you have to like get certain powers to unlock certain pathways and stuff. So like you have to go to different planets and come back to certain planets later. It's a Dark Souls game where things are meticulously placed. The combat is... Action like, RPG. Uh, action RPG. Um, you rest at campfires to, or meditate in the game, like resting at campfires and Dark Souls to get your stuff. It just blends... And it's a Star Wars game. So it just blends a bunch of things I like. It doesn't do any of those things better than what uh, it's yeah. based off of, but like considering it's bringing so many things together... 
it's incredible and it's an ea star wars game and i was really impressed because clearly respawn respawn is fun because with vince sampella being there their studio head he's got so much like clout in the video game space he can basically just tell ea to go like screw themselves in a corner and get away with whatever he wants like he doesn't have to use frostbite which i think is a big reason that this and Titanfall and Apex Legends are all really big. And what's it, Frostbite again? Frostbite is an engine that is a proprietary engine to EA. I believe it was made for Battlefield originally. So it's a very it's a very powerful first-person shooter engine, but because EA is cheap and a terrible company, they like to mandate the they mandated the rest of the company use this, and that's why we've had problems with games like Mass Effect Andromeda. Because this engine is made to make first-person shooters, not third-person third-person RPGs, like, and that's why some of these games struggle. There's games like Dragon Age Inquisition was on Frostbite that ended up working out, but like, it is just it's very difficult to develop for if you don't know what you're doing. I see what you mean. Yeah. So the fact that the fact that three of EA's best games in the past like five years we have do been, not have that are or? not on that engine I think <laughs> says a lot not to mention like it's an EA Star Wars game that doesn't have the microtransaction problem that it usually has and that should just that's it sing enough yep it has no microtransactions my only issue with that is that should sing but they use that as a selling point. They're all like, we have no microtransactions in this game. Like, really? You're the ones putting the microtransactions in these games. But it was, like I said, it was just so good. It's a beautiful game. I played on PC, so I didn't have very many bugs. I've heard the console versions are a little more plagued with bugs. And then the story was really good. I mean, I was surprised that I heard the story was a complaint for so many people because... I felt like this is a very good story. I mean, the story, unfortunately, where it's set between 3 and 4, we know it can't be too intrusive because we know Darth Vader still has to be there at the end of the day. The Empire yeah. still has to be there at the end of the day. Like, you know, it's just a nice little shade in the corner of this coloring book we have. It's kind of like uh, Rogue One where we're like, oh yeah, we know these guys don't make it. And We heard about Rogue One. That's why I love Rogue One. <laughs> exactly. Like, no yeah. matter what happened, you knew this was going to end terribly. Mm-hmm. And it ended wonderfully. It ended so beautifully. With one of the best scenes, in my opinion, in Star Wars history. We're at gonna, the end of it. We're going to have to have like a Star Wars. I was like, just, just thinking about that, too. completely separate Star Wars, just like geek out That has to be podcast. an episode, because Seth and I, were just we just watched uh, two episodes of The Mandalorian last night, and we had we just talked about it the whole time afterwards. It, it took like 20 or 30 minutes, so we're going to have to do an episode where we just talk about our... Because it's evolved from, you know, 1970-whatever to like now and whether that's a good or bad thing it's it's had its ups and downs and and we'll have to talk about it after this we do the whole trilogy at least we'll do a mandalorian spoiler spoiler cast oh yeah i would like that okay moving on your number eight jordan my number eight is mass effect 2 Okay, I don't have that anywhere on mine i don't even have that in my honorable mentions (laughs) because I'm going to be real with you, Jordan. Mass Effect 1 is the only one I've ever played and beaten. Really? I started to, but like, I, it was funny that we had this conversation last week and you used Mass Effect as your example against it. Yeah. But like, it was one of those things where I played the first Mass Effect and then I tried going right into 2 and I'm like, I, I've had enough of this kind of game right now and I just never got back to it. Which is so strange considering the reason I put Mass Effect 2 on here is because it was so different from the original 
like in a positive way. It's not like Mass Effect One was bad at all or anything like I that. I literally played it for like ten minutes, by the way, too. So I didn't get verified. Yeah. <laughs> so they they changed so much about it. They changed the fact that you can't just oh, there's a guy with a rocket launcher. Oh, I'm dead. That's a big part of the selling point of Mass Effect Two is that they they balance a lot of things. Um, also, I'm just really <coughs> really fond of third person shooters. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I can see like over my own shoulder or whatever like that. It's just there's something weird about first person shooters that just kind of like weird me out. Like the um, like something's just off about it. I know it's better with Halo because I can I have enough time to adjust while someone's shooting me, so I can like oh hey there it is oh aimed up blah 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 because they don't kill you in like two hits usually. <laughs> uh, but Mass Effect Two it was. It wasn't the start of something amazing, but it was really just the climax of it, honestly. It, it had what everyone was looking for, and then you wouldn't have a game like Mass Effect 3 without Mass Effect 2. I feel like a lot of people probably... I feel like from what I hear anyway, so the vocal majority, or minority maybe, the, the vocal group on the internet, we'll put it that way, I think 2 is probably their favorite. Yeah, everyone agrees that three people love 2. Because 3 ended kind of upsettingly for some people and i i didn't care about that i mean i think a lot of that is emotion based because like there was andromeda (laughs) yeah they they had a lot of like connection with the characters and they didn't like the way that it ended in mass effect 3 but it had to end like it's kind of like uh how miyazaki had problems with dark souls 3 it's like okay guys literally seriously this is the last one like two like i didn't want to do it and i kind of just like oversaw it a bit and then a lot of people were like oh we don't like this Okay, fine. I'll just give you a third one. Whatever. Like, this is the final one, though. No takebacks. And that was the same thing with Mass Effect 3 uh, for a long time until they tried it again and it didn't work uh, because Andromeda, from what Seth said, he he and I both love Mass Effect um, so much that he his obsession with Mass Effect is my equivalent of Dark I mean, uh, Dragon Age Origins. So, like, when we started playing the different games at the same time... It's like a show and tell. Yeah, it was. And we were just saying, like, oh, hey, you do this, this, and this. And he's like, oh, yeah, check out this. Check out the pistol in the first game. You won't regret it. And I did not, because the pistol is super overpowered in that game. But the story, the connection I felt with the with the characters and stuff like that, the the charisma, the, um, the back and forth that the characters had with each other was so great that at Mass Effect 3, during some of those scenes, like, I... Like I shed a tear at some of those scenes. Like I was like, "This is this is beautiful. Like this is awesome," and or this is so sad. I can't believe this is happening. So Mass Effect Two is definitely a game. Like it's like a singularity. You only get like a few of those, and that's what that's primarily what my list is composed of. Like singularities that just kind of grew into something that stands on its own. Right on. Okay, my number seven, Jordan, let's talk Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers. This was your number nine, correct? Or was yes. this your eight? Okay. Number nine. Your number nine. So yeah, Super Smash Brothers. I specifically wrote down Ultimate, although I guess mine could extend to four too. Didn't really care for Brawl, so Brawl was Melee was my Oh, I've had all of them, just so you know. And I'm pretty sure Melee was last decade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Melee Melee Brawl is might have when actually I... been last decade too, but uh, Melee was starting when I started like trying to get serious about it. It's one of the only games where I actually like went into the hyperbolic time chamber and like trained up and like I, I tell all my friends because like Jordan, how'd you get so good? I'm like, well, I put myself as Mario. I put all the evil characters on level nine on the same team and I fought them for 99 stocks. And then I someone listened to me and did that in my friend group and I'm like, okay, Sean, like I didn't finish it, 
I didn't finish the 99 stocks. I would eventually, like, bite my lower lip in half or something like that. But, like, kudos to you, I guess. And he's like, wait, you never finished it? <laughs> and, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. I'm not crazy. Yeah, like, I got different stuff to do. I got, you know, waste time. But, yeah, that's when I started getting serious. Uh, Brawl was the one I played with the most with my family, besides the first one. The first one was a huge thing when I was a child. Uh, I started getting good at four, and then Ultimate's where I'm like... I think Ultimate's like a very natural, like just... It's basically four plus. Yeah, it is four plus. So much that my friends and I confuse the switch, like the time of the switch that we did, like literally and figuratively, like... Uh, we were like, were we playing four at that time, or was it five, or was it ultimate? And we're like, yeah, that one was four. But I think we really have to. I, I think when we have this conversation, we really got to talk about ultimate because everybody's here. Yeah, like Sakurai, your grandmother is girl. Speaking of guys who don't want to be making the games they make anymore, yeah, exactly. Sakurai has been saying this is my last one since Brawl, and he just keeps getting dragged back in. Like this most recent one, I think we brought it up a couple weeks ago, but like. Literally, as um, oh gosh, what was his name? The president of Nintendo, not Miyamoto. That's Mario. Reggie, oh, not Reggie. He was president of Bowser America. Nope, that's of America. I'm talking the whole thing. What was his name? Not Sakurai. That's Smash Brothers. Is it the one that passed away? Yeah. So the guy who passed away. Essentially, and I feel terrible for not knowing his name. Like that's a name you should know as a video game enthusiast. But um, anyway. He, basically, on his deathbed, he's like, make another Smash Brothers. Oh, my god! And Sakurai was all like, all right. Here's my magnum opus. Yeah. Okay, so let me just go that. And what's funny about it is, like, I just think he's so afraid of it being bad. Like, he doesn't want the series to be bad. Itami? Nah, whatever. Iwata, yes, Iwata. Yep. Okay, there we go. We, we got there in the end. Uh, but no, so, like, everybody's here. There's so much music. This like Smash Brothers is just such a love letter to gaming. It is, and so many. And there's been a couple of times where people try to copy it, and it just doesn't work. And I it, and it's because like Nintendo is such a huge influence, but like it just works so well together. You don't question Mario and Terry Bogard duking it out one v one. And I even think some things that have tried to copy it could work. I feel like PlayStation All Stars could have worked if they just copied it all the way. Yes, like I they agree. only like, like a lot of these games only half copy it. Like just like rip it off. Like if you want it, the the formula works. Like make a new genre. I don't care. Yeah. Make make an all star <laughs> brawler genre. I would love that. Like put it on pen and paper. Like that would be pretty cool. Give me like an Xbox one. Isn't there a, a game PS called Brawlhalla that works kind of like the same way? Kinda. It's a bunch of indie game characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um. I know Shovel Knight. I know Shovel, yeah, Shovel Knight's <laughs> in there. A lot of original characters, though, is what started Brawlhalla, but then they started adding new ones in. And there's a lot of, like, 2D fighters um, that have started doing it as well, kind of like all-star games. I know anime does it. There's a lot of anime games where it's like, hey, here's all your, like, uh, all your novels, uh, what are they called, virtual novels, and, like... Uh, all those and we're putting them all in one and now they fight each other and it's like from this anime from this anime from this anime and they fight and i'm like okay cool i'm not gonna buy because you know pride and i'm ashamed sometimes <laughs> <laughs> all right so unless we have anything else to say jordan we'll move on to your number seven my number seven i just talked about it but it's dragon age origins oh. and it's they're so close together which is why that but like i said for me, it's Dragon Age Origins. Maybe for Seth, it would have been Mass Effect. But for me, I spent so much time 
and Dragon Age Origins. It's it's ridiculous. And then when I got it for, I originally started getting it. Uh, I remember, and I don't know if it was Origin. Just real quick, I remember going over when I dated your sister. I went over to the house to spend the day with her, and like we left the house at like ten in the morning, and we came back at like eight at night, and literally you were all like, "I have not moved," and you were just sitting there playing <laughs> yeah. Dragon Age. It, it, it's a lot. Like it. Uh, it definitely, I, I, it, it's a part of my life, honestly, that I started playing it and it, it really like solidified the fantasy aspect in my head and like what things should be. And it set new precedents for like what I like in video games in the future. And like, do I like choice? Like, yes, I do. I love, I love the dialogue more than the gameplay, which if you play Dragon Age Origins, that's definitely what that game is. It's dialogue over gameplay because gameplay is just like... Uh, it's it's more important to me because if you ever played Knights of the Old Republic, uh, that game's combat is trash. It's it's not the most fun thing to slog through, especially especially this like especially if you didn't play it and you tried to go back to it. Yeah, you you uh you're definitely there for the talking. Which Seth has said before, he was like, they need to remaster those games because it's it it hurts to go back to those kind of games because it's just so bad. But the story is so yeah, good. A, a D20 system is fun when you're actually rolling the dice. But exactly. Not when, <laughs> not when it's just happening behind the scenes and it's like, oh, I missed that guy. Why? I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, Dragon Age Origins, it had a lot of time that you could put into it. Uh, I originally started playing it over at a friend's house on the, on the 360. And then I played that for a while. And then I got it for the console. But then I got it again for for PC, and then the rest is history. I played that for like two, three years straight. So and just like it's one of the only games I finished on the highest difficulty, which I never really go for because I don't care. I just want to experience video games, and I have to like, you know, triumph over them. I don't have that just that the feeling. The guy who's bought an Escape from Tarkov. <laughs> <laughs> well, some sometimes I like uh, the loot grind. I like getting new things like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you know there are loot grind games that also don't punch you in the face repeatedly. Yeah, that's why I play Monster Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Origins is is an era in my life, honestly. And it's part of the reason why I like those kind of games now. All right. Cool. That was your number seven. We'll move on to my number six, which is Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy. Oh my goodness. So we made no rules here. I mean, there's a couple remakes on here, but that's just what it is. I feel like I feel like old games just hold up well. They're very good ones anyway. So um, I put Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy on here because like, I can't believe Activision made this game <laughs> because it is done with such care and reverence to the original material. Um... It's my preferred way to play the games. I know they kind of mess with the jumping in Crash One, which made a lot of people mad. But I just got, I just got good. You know, it's the Dark Souls of platformers get good, and uh, it's the first three games that Naughty Dog made back in the day on the original PlayStation. So they're the best. They're I, I feel like it's not. They're the best three games in my opinion. The games started becoming something completely different after then. The first one that was. A PlayStation. The first one that was multi-platform that was on the PlayStation Two, um, kind of tried to follow that original format, which is bigger levels. But then, like, I think we talked about it last week, where Crash just started becoming an open world almost yeah. kind of game, and that just that's not what I want out of Crash Bandicoot. I like the levels. I like the corridors. Like, you know, I like I like just 
trying to beat the challenge, like a tightly tuned challenge that was presented for me. And the first three games especially are just so good at that. Um, the first one is by far my favorite, just because that's that's where it started for me. I got that game with my original PlayStation the day I got it. Uh, that and Tekken 2, so shout out to Tekken 2 since clearly that's not on the game of the decade list. But um, So that, that, that game's just my favorite. It's definitely not the best one. Uh, I think Crash 2 is the best one. That is where you start getting moves like your slide and your body slams, like just a little bit more to do in the game other than jump and spin it like it really is when it started to be all like hey we're not we're, we're like we're here to compete with mario but we're not mario like, yeah you're picking you're picking your sides but not like you still pay reverence to the other one like you know that oh hey we're cool too but like we're a different kind like you don't need to like compare them or anything like that they stand on their own exactly and then Three was also extremely good. It again moved movement and stuff forward, but like there were just so many stupid vehicle levels in that game. And all the games have vehicle levels, but you've got like your tiger riding, you've got airplanes, you've got your um, there's like a uh, what what's the the boats? You've got like a jet jet ski levels. This is just, a very strange it gets complaint. To be too much considering what's on later on your list. <laughs> okay, well I can understand I can understand that, but like the whole point of it was like. But the first two games being my favorite, and it's just like these levels didn't control well compared to the rest of the game. That Hashtag was, not in this game. That was a, and I mean it's it was a platformer. Like yeah. In the original Crash Bandicoot, and again, like all the levels are just not, none of the levels are vehicle riding levels except for two, and they're pig levels, and they, it, there's only two of them. So they're like it just splits. It just like it feels like a little break from the game as opposed to part of the game. I feel like uh, games that have good, like a, a good core. They live up to the whole like remastered level, and they may even become better. Like um, graphics aren't even an issue, honestly, uh, because the ones that you want to go back and play, you just want to play it again. You just want an excuse to play it again, and that's where some of these remasters of some of these platformers. I know Seth loved the Spyro games when they remastered them, and it's because the Spyro games and the and the Crash Bandicoot games they were fun and amazing to play the first time, and the only thing that was weird about them now was um, that they're a little pointy. And now they're not. Now they're all smoothed out. And I, I think the big, like the biggest like compliment you can almost give these games is I, I feel like a good remaster, the game looks like what you remember it looking like. Yeah. It's just kind of like, you, like you're not squinting your eyes anymore. And that's one of those things that's a little <laughs> hard for me since I Crash Bandicoot's always one of those games like I go back to once a year. Again, the first one especially. Yeah. Like I'll go back to it once a year. So like obviously I know what the old one looks like still. But like remembering sitting there for the first time looking at the things, not being able to kill the very first crab in the first level that all you have to do is spin through. Like, I just, I, I remember, like, that that's what starting the Insane Trilogy felt like. I was like, wow, like, this, they did a good job. Well, those challenges are still present, and they're still, like, there's still those challenges, and even if they're not as challenging anymore, it's because you've grown and you've and you've experienced these Well, I'll say, I, definitely in the case of the first game, I think the challenging, the challenge is bigger, because the jumping... His jump used to be like like his hitbox for like where he landed on things used to be like a square, and they turned it into like a little pellet. Ah. So like it was round, so like you could slip off edges easier, like in the holes, like if you hit the corner of a hole. So see those those issues are still in the game, and there's still challenges, and that's why the game holds up. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of curious, like I have I've never gone back and played the original version since the Insane Trilogy came out, so I'm almost wondering like would I be bad at the original Crash One now? <laughs> my eyes, <laughs> my brand. 
All right, Jordan, you're number six. My number six, and this one was surprising to me, but considering how much I've been playing of Three Houses right now, it's going to be Fire Emblem's Awakenings. Okay. So I played, once again... As we uh, talked about last week, the one that really got us into it. The one that really is the gateway drug of Fire Emblem. And and I feel like it's that way for a lot of them, too, because it's a formula that they've had for a long time since, like, the original one, but they, like, took out all the needless stuff, and they were like, let's, like, make it a little more casual. And we're like, we're okay with that. Because at its core, it's it's just a, a dating sim with strategy elements. Well, it's the other way around, but people play it for different reasons. <laughs> and in this one, it's like, hey, you know those uh, relationships you all started? What if we made kids and added a time travel element and a time skip feature where you could probably fight with those pairings that you just made via the, the wonders of time travel? We're like, I'm into this. I can make some pretty broken com- uh, combinations. <coughs> and it's like, um, I believe in Fire Emblem Awakenings, it was based off the mother. So whoever, the the mother would always have the same child. But uh, the father is what determined like hair color, uh, stats, and stuff like that. Like half of the dad's stats and half of the mom's stats would go into this new child character. They'd grow up and they'd be able to fight with you. Um and they reverse that order in the next game, Fire Emblem Fates. It was the dad that had it, and then they had this kind of time travel thing as well. The dad like, had the kid. Uh, what? The dad had the kid. The no, I mean like if <laughs> the kids was yeah. The, the dad had to have the kid. They this gave. Was, oh my gosh, revolutionary. Fairly odd parents. <laughs> yeah, with Cosmo. Side tangent. Cosmo was the one that got pregnant because yeah. in Fairy World, the guys are the ones that get pregnant. I was so excited. I was like. Nickelodeon, show me you have the balls to show me this. And then Timmy just wishes it out. I'm like, you yeah. got to be kidding me. Uh, picture uh, Von Stranglehold having a kid, by the uh. way. Like being pregnant. Well, the point of it was like, there hadn't been a new fairy in like a thousand years. Like Cosmo was the youngest fairy up until it. Poof. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess that's how it's different. Yep. All right. Back to the game. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Fire Emblem... Like I said, it's just solid. I played a lot of it. I, I like it's a lot of replayability because you want to get those different um, endings with the with the characters and stuff like that. They didn't do what they did with three houses. You only had three save slots, so you needed to really pick the person you really liked or just run through the game again. Oh yeah, and you, well I mean there wasn't four endings. So. Yeah, ex- yeah. I mean like I'm I'm running on the first one. I'm on like thirty five hours on on three houses, but this game I played a lot. There's a lot of like. Uh, minimum maximum gameplay where you're like oh i'm gonna train this class up and then he's gonna switch over to this class and i like grinding too i like being over prepared for stuff which is why i love monster hunter so much is because i like creating the most optimal thing for that situation yeah and even though it might take 20 minutes to set something up and then just 10 minutes to hunt like i'm still into that because that's still part of the experience and it's the same way what's what's the difference if you spend 20 minutes to set something up 10 minutes to hunt or you just spend 10 minutes setting something up and then have to hunt for 20 like that's a perfect exa- that's a perfect way of looking at it i never really thought of that you're just you're still putting the uh the, the time in it's just less stressful it's the same thing with fire emblem it's uh you get to take a look at the map beforehand and like you can say okay they have a lot of armor knight dudes which means i'm gonna make all magic users and stuff like that and then out of right field ooh, whoops sorry reinforcements came whoops. in they're all sword users your whole team screwed so that's what I like about Fire Emblem. It's uh, Awakenings was the first one brought some uh, some very 
timeless characters that are now in Smash. It's Crom, Lucina, uh, Robin. Oh, God. <laughs> All the sword characters. <laughs> except Robin. Robin's like half a sword character. Who's my favorite? Who Seth still can't beat very easily. I feel like if fighter, if the fifth character in the last Fighter Pass or any of the characters in Fighter Pass 2 are a Fire Emblem character, the Smash community may riot. They might because uh, Byleth is the main character of Three Houses and he's a sword character. And guess what? His sword is a chain whip from Ivy, Soul Calibur. And, you know, I guess as long as it plays different, I'd be okay. They just play, most of them just play so similar. I mean, Roy and Krom are quote unquote. Uh, echo Echoes, characters, yeah. but they're not. They have different movesets. It's not like uh, Daisy and Peach. And I think they missed opportunity there, but that's probably another uh, that's another talk somewhere else. <laughs> okay, moving into the top five. We're getting into the big guns. Oh, yeah. My number five is 2011's Portal 2. That is a very big gun. Oh, my gosh. This <laughs> game was so incredible. So, Portal 1... Was a little game tucked in the orange box. That, yes, I remember that. That was like four or five hours. Was it, it like Team Fortress 2? It was Team Fortress 2. It was Half-Life Chapter 2. Um, or Half-Life 2, Episode 2. Uh, yeah, it was It was quite always, the package. It always intrigued me, the, the box. But um, So there was this tiny little game in there that ended up probably being the best game in the box, in all honesty. And then they finally got around to 2011 to making a proper sequel, which we're still waiting for a sequel from this one. <laughs> but um, So Portal, for those that don't know, you get a gun that shoots portals, and you basically make Portal A, Portal B. And when you go through Portal A, you come out Portal B, and you start doing all sorts of crazy puzzles with that. Where, it's like physics engine the game. You're through places you can't get to. You're teleporting like cubes to hold down buttons to open doors. Like It gets absolutely crazy, and... What really brought this one out is there was a story in the first one, but like this one really added it to the Half Life universe. Yeah. Like Portal happens in the Half Life universe, and it's just such a funny story. Like it's like it's got humor. It, it really is does. So humorous. Like Wheatley. Oh my gosh. Like Wheatley. There's, the there's no good way to talk about it not, if you don't know if. Like if, if you don't know what we're talking about, like it could sound like I know it sounds crazy, but like. These computers are like the funniest thing in the world. They're all t- they're talking to each other. They're talking to you, and you're, you're basically just held prisoner. Like you're mute. And this yeah. computer wants to um, just test these like these trials essentially. Like that's what the especially the first game. That's what it was. Was like a bunch of rooms of trials, and like you were kidnapped, and this evil, crazy computer just wants to like test. Yeah. It wants to test these boots that you have, your falling boots. It wants to test the gravity gun. It wants to test everything. And, it, oh, man, I, I can't say enough good things about Portal 2. It, it is. Uh, 2011 was a really good year for video games. I think it's going to go down as history as one of the best years in history for video games. Uh, another one being 1995, I believe, like Pokemon and some of the Mario mm-hmm. games that came out. But 2011, there's, there's a, quite a few that are on my list from that. And just another quick thing to say about this: Portal Two had a multiplayer. Oh, it, it was it was separate too. It yeah, was it was, it was a completely different story. Yeah. Again, on top of it, and I remember playing through with Matt's like, and there were so <laughs> many times where we'd be like, "What 
the hell are we supposed to do? And we would just like basically ram our heads into something and like our character would fly some awkward direction yeah. and like clip over a wall. And I'm like, it's trial I don't think that's how we were supposed to do that. <laughs> like it seemed a little less well put together than the main game where like you could like break it and do things you weren't supposed to do. Yeah. But that made it fun. Like yeah. it was fun to accidentally discover that because like we went, we would go back and like watch how some of these test chambers were done. And we're like, well, a that was simple. How did we miss that? And B, like, yeah, we definitely did that wrong. It stayed within <laughs> the realm of the game, which was you're doing experiments, and it makes sense that it's gonna. Some people will do it different from others and stuff like that. That's how you make a good game. It's that freedom of choice. Exactly. Jordan, you're number five. My number five. Is Divinity Original Sin 2. Ooh, there you go. That's on sale this week. Ah, yes. You should buy it. It's very good. Anyone that's listening right now, if, if you got a friend, like just one friend or like three friends, you can all play with them with that. Uh, or you can play by yourself and it still holds up. Uh, I play this game. It was my drunk game to play with Seth for a long time. And it probably still is, but we've been playing other stuff and we have more people over most of the time now that we have our own place. But before, this was our definitive like... Get drunk a night and and just play this game, because it's uh it's Dungeons and Dragons like light, uh but it's it doesn't have the same problem that most Dungeons and Dragons games kind of have, which is like it has a story and it gives you the freedom, but it doesn't give you too much freedom and it doesn't give you an overall like too much story. It's still pushing you. Yeah, like you can you have to get from point A to point B. And then how you get to point B is up to you. There's You can do this, 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 this. Or guess what? You can do all of them and to get like the most experience or whatever like that. Which is what most people that... If you if you played the same campaign of Dungeons & Dragons, that's probably what you would do, wouldn't it? If you knew what the other routes, uh, routes were, you'd probably want to do all of them. Because it's more fun that way. So um, a good example is the first area of Fort Joy... There's a ton of ways to get out of the fort. It's like, okay, get your get your collar off. That's suppressing your magical abilities. Uh, get out of the fort and and escape to the best of your ability. Uh, they give you all these different ways. You can go if you're single. If you're like a single person, you can go with this one guy. He takes these teleport gloves that you find off a crocodile, uh, and he teleports you to like this this cave, and then you teleport him back. And then that's one way out. There you go. Or you can just take out the main guy, the head of the camp. You can do that. And you can you can purchase your way out. Things like there's so many different ways to progress through the game. You can either do one of them or you can do all of them. So that's what I kind of mean by um, having the freedom to do something, and then not having it like suffocate you. It's not like oh, there's so many things I don't know where to get started because every single one of them will get you to the same point. It's just, you know, it's optional. It's true optional, which is what's fun about it. Okay. Um, I guess my big question with this, if you didn't like the first game, like, I was, I appreciated the first game for what it was. I didn't really care for it. Would I like the second one? Seth hates the first game. Divinity Original Sin 2 might be his favorite game of all time. Okay. That's you, It is completely separate from the first one, story-wise and stuff like that. There's a few hints of, like... Uh, a few callbacks and yeah, stuff like so. that, but it stands completely on its own. Um, and I'm I'm the same way. They made a lot of changes in the second one that are you know positive or whatever like that. Like they added different like types of armor and stuff, so you're not just, just constantly getting spanned with like um, 
with like crowd control abilities and stuff like that. You can still do that, and once you, you know, lose that arm, physical armor, or magical armor, and you start getting crowd controlled by these enemies, you you'll probably die. But the same is it's the same for them as well. Uh, there's completely different ways of uh, playing it. There's uh, there's element mixing that's a little different from the first game because there's like uh, there's clouds now, uh, cloud terrains, not just like flat terrain. So like example of that is you create a po- you use a poison spell and you create a poison cloud. Well, if you shoot a fireball into it, it's going to explode and it's going to do more damage. Or you could put oil on the ground and you could put fire on top of that. That's a good combination. Or you can create steam and then shoot lightning at it. And then it creates this electrifying steam that whoever walks in it has to pass a check. Otherwise, they get stunned. So there's so many different ways, so many different builds you can go. You can go for a wombo combo build. You can go go just for straight like uh, bash bros, which is what Seth and I do a lot. And there's so many different ways of playing it that... It's a lot of replayability as well. Cool. I like that. All right, let's move on. Number four, my number four is 2017's Hollow Knight. I didn't play it till 2018 because that's when it came out on console. I specifically played the Switch version first because it came to Switch and then later came to PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, we talked about this kind of in depth last week, but it's, again, it's uh, it's a Soulsborne-esque kind of game, but it's a 2D Metroidvania at its heart i would say it's that before it's a souls game but it's got the souls game going on where everything is meticulously placed and you're resting at certain places which resets everything you've and you're it's very rpg i like the combat in it more than any other metroidvania i've ever played it it's a little bit more difficult but it's more it's also melee based so like it almost feels like almost feels like one of those old school beat-em-up kind of games at the it's, same time it's that uh oh god it, there was a castlevania game where you played as alucard it's like shadows or something um that's what it reminds me of more than anything else is like it's it's fast like it's kind of dashy there's like a, a bit of platforming and then just mm-hmm. just like hack and slash but there are different types of hack and slash right right and the art is so dark and it makes everything feel so lonely but Bleak. alive yeah. at the same time like you can definitely tell you're somewhere that's alive but like you're alone and it's just like miserable here because the world is slowly dying and as the game goes on like the game de- is dealing with a corruption that's taken over the land and like parts of the game that are early on that you have to go through over and over again are like becoming corrupt as the game goes on and like uh, it's just it's it tells a story so well without saying anything it's almost like dark souls where like you have to figure out the story but it doesn't tell you like anything at all like so much is left open to your imagination and like i've gone on and been like huh i i, I have a theory about this area let me see what other people think and they're all like oh based off this part of the game and like you're just it's very it's a bunch of people like just coming together trying to figure something out mm-hmm. and like i think that's really incredible and like I said, the art is so beautiful. The backgrounds, everything might be hand-drawn, but the backgrounds definitely for sure. Um, the character design's great. The boss fights are great. And there's a sequel coming. I can't wait. Uh, when I look at my list here, in my top five, three of my top five games have sequels coming. And I'm just so excited for that. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. And I, um... Not mine. all right what's your number four then jordan i won't like i said we talked we actually got surprisingly deep about hollow knight last week when we were talking about yeah being being excited about hollow knight too so i don't want to like 
repeat too much for people who listen to every week, but it's, My, uh, please play this game. It's on it's on Steam sale right now for like seven bucks. Oh like, yes, I hear nothing but good things about Hollow Knight. It, not even a single one. It's the same people that. Um, it's a game I picked up because I looked it. It looked interesting. And then all of a sudden, 40 hours of my life was gone. Was it the same year that Shovel Knight came out? I don't know. Because I remember I there was like a Shovel Knight down. There was like a like a revolution almost for a while for like indie games. Like the quality started. I think maybe it was a one-two punch. I think during those years that the AAA games were really lacking. And then all of a sudden, this these cool indie games came out. They're like, hey, this is the new stuff you've been looking oh, for. And, and, and real quick, just before I forget, I'm sorry. The music, incredible. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. It, it's always <laughs> a big part. I mean, I, out of the um, the last five ones on my list, like 25% of the reason why I love them is because of their music scores. Um, because number four is Skyrim. Because okay, Skyrim yep. came out in 2011. Woo! And Wow. 2011 was a big in game. In 2012, in 2013, in 2014, <laughs> came to the in yeah, 2015. It, it's one of those games where you just, just keep them coming. I got two copies, two different copies of Skyrim. One for the PS4, which I played on originally. I had my old, uh, my Red Guard, Sword and Shield character. And then uh, on PC, where I played everything else, literally. Um, so much of my time, just like Dragon Age Origins, was spent on Skyrim. And a lot of it was exploration. And I can, if you're a gamer, you've heard of Skyrim. Like, it's impossible to not have heard about Skyrim to make the references and stuff like that. Because people to this day are still playing the game and to this day have not beaten the story. <laughs> Which a lot of people have uh, have gone on record saying. They, they played through the entire game. Like, as soon as they, dropped, they got dropped off after Helgen, they were like, Well, uh, you got this big dragon mystery that you have behind you. What are you going to do? I'm going to go into that mine. Immediately, it's like bleak, bleak shattered, something like that. I forgot the name of it. I used to go there every time. It's like you just find a bandit just chilling out outside. And he's like, he's like, don't come any closer. <laughs> and you come closer, and he's like, never should have come here. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. It, it's pretty symbolic of Sky. Skyrim opened up uh, so many doors, and I just noticed there's a game that's not on here that should be higher up here that I'm gonna have to put in my honorable mentions. Because I didn't have enough room. Yeah, I mean, Skyrim 11, 11, 11. That was the big, yeah, it the was. big marketing for that game. And Derek and I picked it up the same night on the Winter Seam sale that same year. Because it was already on sale for like 40 bucks during the Steam sale, at least. So we picked, oh, yeah. both picked it up. And within 10 minutes of that first, like, there's obviously the introductory that you all have to do. But I was like, so Derek, what are you doing? And he was explaining to me what he was doing. I'm like where are you like i have no idea like we went completely separate directions like it's crazy how big the game is and todd howard love him or hate him like he always said like he answered the like why do you keep putting skyrim out and he's like stop buying it (laughs) it's like we can't we We can't we're not supposed to be allowed with with money when skyrim is available because we're gonna buy it again we want a reason to play it again (laughs) if even if it's like it had great it had great dlc uh dawn what was it called? Donna. I don't know. I never played any of the Dongard was a huge expansion. I own them because I have the PSVR version of the game, yeah. but I can only play that for like an hour at a time before I want to vomit everywhere. Yeah. So, so the, you're. I can guarantee you, you can go into that game. 
even though people have played it to death, you could still find new stuff in that. Just random, oh, yeah. different. And isn't there like a on. system in the game that just like randomly makes quests? There, there's, there's like random events and stuff like that. Sometimes yeah. they give you like letters and like, hey, can you go deliver this to this one guy? You go over there and like all of a sudden they're fighting giants. You're like, oh, this isn't a quest in the game like programmed in, but because of the infinite amounts of circumstance, something cool just happened. Isn't it crazy to think how far Bethesda's fallen in that, this decade? That I think that like people they have would be probably one of the greatest games of all time. Yes, in it, Fallout seventy six, it's a huge fall from grace considering how many Bethesda games are on my list. All right, my number three, two thousand seventeen. Little game called Fortnite came out, and nobody cared about Fortnite at all until it got a battle royale mode. Jordan, Fortnite battle royale was literally like the only, like not the only game. I clearly played a bunch of other games, but it's like the only game I like really played for like all of 2018 and the start of this year. Um, I finally dragged myself away from the game, and it didn't feel good there for a while. But I finally got myself away from the game. So the Fortnite battle royale. Uh, just like all most battle royale games, a hundred people drop into an island with nothing, and they have to go around the island collecting things. Hunger Games. Yeah, and there's a circle that gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and if you're outside the circle, you take damage and eventually die, and you're trying to be number one. And it's just such a simple concept, but like we talked about last week when we were talking, or a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Apex Legends. Epic has no problem making their employees work unhealthy hours. So there's always something like there's always something new in this game. They just always are adding a new weapon. Uh, new, they redid the map recently. There was a completely new map. Uh, they change the map throughout the seasons as they go on. And I, I just don't understand. This game gets so much hate for being like a little kid's game. And yeah, some of the dances and stuff are a little kiddie and stuff, but like at the end of the day, the thing that really sets us apart is there's also a building mechanic. And, like, you're basically, like, building cover as you go, or you're built, like, you're building up to people. And it's a huge skill cap, the, I was just about to say, the amount of skill involved with it is crazy. Like, one thing I hear a lot is just, like, people are all like, oh, there's no skill to that. People are just, like, flinging around like crazy. Like, no, there is flinging around like crazy, but yeah. the people who are really good... Because not only, like, you can put a wall up, you can edit it. So, like, you can quickly run through the wall and, like, you can re-edit it back closed. Like, the amount of skill that goes into this game is incredible. And we're hoping to get our YouTube going pretty soon. And I, I saved one of the... I saved the game I won from the from the stream we I did for Extra Life for us when yeah. we first got going. So, if you have no idea what Battle Royales are somehow... Like, if you're into games and somehow have avoided this craze for the last couple of years, like, how? But, um... <laughs> I know, right? If you if you played video games, you've, in the last, like, five years, you've touched about uh, And Royale. I just, part of what makes this game so good is it's fun to watch. Like, Battle Royales in ge general are fun to watch, because, like, if you're just watching it and you're rooting for that person, it's, it's like a sport. Like, you're rooting, just like the Hunger Games, it's like a sport. Like, you're rooting for certain people. Yeah. And and there's there is a strategy to building because I I was playing with Colin one night and I was like hey Colin uh, I keep whenever I get in the uh, to build battles because I can make the the three point cover pretty quickly like you got the floor you got the upboard and you got the ramp and that's easy and, and well enough but I kept getting dominated in these in these building battles by uh, people that would build over me so I'm like hey Colin how do I how do I get people to stop building over me how do I defend against that and he's like just build over yourself yourself. And then they can't take that stuff down. And then when you get a chance, you can just build up and, and around and you can get up with him as well. And 
it's kind of like I, I don't want to say beautiful, but it, it looks really cool when you see a structure after a build battle between two people that knew what they were doing. Because all of a sudden you had two people that were just supposed to be like take PUBG. Uh, there were two people shooting at each other for a while, and then one of them maybe gets a lucky shot and dies. And you can see the struggle, the to and fro, and and the um, the struggle the uh, with the build battle when people are going up and they're like they're going around and like oh hey he got built over on that one and he shot this part off then he starts getting up and up and up and up and then one person eventually dies just two people it takes maybe like two minutes two and a half minutes of just pure anxiety and then once you kill them it's just pure relief as well and, and you didn't even win the game you just had one build battle with one guy maybe you guys saw each other from like halfway across the screen you're like whoa okay and then you just you just start building you start building and it's all like it's metal it's brick it's wood you start seeing when people start running out of materials and start building the other stuff and then it's like you can see the battle afterwards without even seeing it and you don't know who won or not but you know the struggle of it. You you can physically see it. It is a beautiful game. Jordan, you're number three. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. I I struggled with this one. Dark Souls was I was my number nine or ten for a little while when yeah. I was building the list. You know, for me it would be higher because that's that's my game series. Like for that's sure. what I'm into. And I remember last week you were talking. You were all like, I don't know what I'm gonna put. Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Like what am I gonna? And you went Dark Souls. If Bloodborne had a sequel, it would probably be on here because I enjoy, uh, but the but Dark Souls, the lore, the music, the precedent it's it's set, the the history, like it it set it. You use the word Dark Souls to describe some of the games that are on your favorite top ten list, and that wouldn't be the case if it wasn't for Dark Souls. <laughs> So it, it made this whole like genre in this Actually, whole category. It would be the case if it wasn't for Demon Souls. <laughs> I mean, Demon Souls came out in I believe twenty uh, two thousand nine, so it would be for this eligible. Life, but I haven't beaten it <laughs> yeah, yet, yeah, so I, I didn't put it down there. But Dark Souls was the one that really got me into that, and I started loving difficult games afterwards. That too, like um, it, it's also one of those things that fits in my, my category of, I like to prepare for like areas and like, I like to take the time to like build stuff up and grind and then just take them all, all at once. And that's what something that dark souls did for me. And the soundtrack's amazing. Like I said, um, a lot of I ideal things. So there's one thing in the game, uh, Gwen's theme that you play three chords on the piano. People know what you're playing. Like, and the following ones are like, okay, that's cool. And then um, in Dark Souls 3, they paid homage to that. And they, uh, the final boss of Dark Souls 3 is just like, it wraps everything up. And it's probably one of my favorite final bosses of all time in all video games. Um, just how much uh, fan service it is. It, it gives so much back. And it's like, hey, look, uh, you played our series. This is the final one. This is the final boss in Dark Souls technically like canonically so we're gonna give you a little treat and they did and they they tied it all up um if they made another dark souls game which he's not going to but he they you know you know how things bandai work. namco could always just be all like well we don't care what you think yeah i would Company rather over here <laughs> i would rather them make like a demon souls 2 or a bloodborne i, I 2. think as long as they keep putting out 
difficult games like this, they'll be okay. I mean, I again, I don't actually know who owns it. I assume Bandai Namco owns the publishing rights in the U.S. at least. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I mean, they they can do what they did with Dark Souls Two, where they only brought Miyazaki on as a as a producer, like an executive producer, and just like foresee it, and then have someone else do it because people like Derek. Derek loves Dark Souls Two. And and after I played it like a couple more times, I was like, you know what? I love this game too, because when it first came out, there was a lot of you know critical uh, views on it that was like, nah, nah, different different director. It's not. I as made good. it pretty far, I know, but then it just it didn't feel as good to me. So I just yeah, it was exactly. one of those that it's a different. A lot flavor. of times, I'll naturally just stop playing games for a little while, and then if I really like them, I'll get back to them. But that one was just one I didn't get back to at all. Yeah, I mean, Derek loved that game, and then the the three DLCs it came out for were very great. And this is just like, this is like all the Dark Souls games, I guess. Because I don't hold a particular one in my heart very fondly more than the other. It's like trying to choose who's your favorite kid. But easy. the one I'll put on the list is Dark Souls. Your parents are lying to you. That has to be easy. I don't want to, I don't know if my family's listening to this, so I'm not going to call <laughs> anyone out. But my dad did have a talk with me, and I, I'm i not going to say you anything. You were happy about the, the direction. But I'm chat. happy about the outcome of what he <laughs> said. So, um, but yeah, Dark Souls, it it's iconic. It's um, it, it set up a, a standard for the rest of the game, uh, the gaming world for the next decade. For sure, for sure. Uh, so now that we're down to one and two here on both of our lists, I, I agonized over this all day, like which position I wanted to put these two in. So I just want to like go out there, like the position I ended, ended up keeping them in, this could change on any given day. Like if you ask me again tomorrow, I may tell you these games in the opposite order. But anyway, we'll move ahead. I can ahead. understand this too. My this number pick. two is the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And... This is one of those games for me, kind of like with Fallen Order, where a lot of people are like, this game only gets so much credit because it's a Zelda game. And I've, I've always liked Zelda games, but this was the first Zelda game that I yeah. went, oh my god, about. Like, I like I, I appreciated Zelda games, but I was never all like, these are the best games ever made. This game, I knew I was playing something special while I was playing it. Like, if we did a top 10 games of all time, this might be right in the exact same spot. Um, it's what they managed to accomplish considering it started out as a Wii U game and is on the Wii U. Um, I played the Switch version because I'm not a monster, (laughs) but, um, what they managed to accomplish is nothing short of amazing. Um, there's something to do everywhere you go in the game and it doesn't really tell you where to go. There's a couple times in the game, kind of to your point with Divinity, where it tells you, you need to go there. But you can literally do anything else first if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I had a if I had a place one point five, this is where Breath of the Wild would be, right there in one point five. And I didn't put it on there. But I, I noticed after I was trying to find room on my list to fit it, and then uh, I just forgot about it when I made the whole list at at mm-hmm. one time. But I love also breath of the wild and we we have similar opinions on where it would be and how it is 
like you said, you can go up and, and climb the those like radio towers or whatever like that, and then you can just use the glider to go anywhere else from that point or whatever. And they there's a lot Traversal's of reversals. Great, you can climb everything. It's so good. The memory system with with the photos is amazing. How it tells the story. Yep. It tells the story, and at the same time, you have to like. It doesn't tell you where to go on the map. You it it shows you a picture like, hey, this is what the view looks like from this position, but it doesn't show you what. Because uh, there's certain parts of the game that look similar. And similar. So, like, you might be looking somewhere and it's completely on the other it's side like, of the map. Oh yeah, here's a gate going into like snowy mountains, but uh, it it happened a hundred years ago when these photos were taken. So what you might picture, there was one I had trouble with where it was at the top of this. Um, this huge castle area that wasn't the final, you know, Hyrule Castle, but it was a, a castle surrounded by a bunch of like flying like sentry drones, or whatever like that, and it looked completely different than what it did in the picture because since a hundred years ago, when the world ended in this game, uh, that place went to crap. Like everything's busted down and deteriorated now, and the picture was something that was very like re- like very regal and stuff like that. So you had to like read up on the lore like, and ask all these NPCs, hey, what does this picture look like? And it's like, oh, I think this is what it used to look like back in the day. And you're like, okay, well, now I can go home and see that location. Never gives you any indicator on the map. You still have to go and find that exact place where it's at and, and you know, activate the memory or whatever like that. But there, it, it incentivizes you to explore. And I love the story of um, uh, Breath of the Wild so much that that's the first thing I did before anything else was like, I want to know what happened in the story. I want to unlock these memories. So, uh, and one of them is in the final area of the game, but you can go to immediately. Yeah, uh, you can beat the game, I think, like the speedrunning records, like 40-some minutes, because like, you only have to do the first four shrines, and then you can just go straight to Ganon. Like, yeah. you have to get the glider, and then you can just go straight to Ganon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can beat Ganon, I believe, with just reflecting his laser beams, if I if remember correctly. You can do that with any shield. You just got to be really good cool at pairing. Uh, but one of the memories that I was talking about is in Hyrule Castle, which has, like, the hardest monsters in the game, base level. Like, even if you go there when you first start your adventure, it's going to be the same difficulty as it always was. And you got to find, you got to climb these walls, and I remember doing it way too early. But I still managed to do it just by like cheesing. You can cheese a lot in that game, and it wants you to cheese. It wants you to get creative, because there's like there's a physics uh, tool in the game and stuff like that, and and there's all these sneaky ways you can do it. And that's the fun part is it gives you that freedom without it being suffocating, because you still know what your main goal is. And I think one of my big compliments, especially big games that are open, like. They just make me want to live there. Like, yeah, I wanted to do nothing but play that game for however long I was. Playing I was obsessed it. with that game, and I completed all the shrines. Yes, I, I, I didn't collect all the poop seeds, but I started working on it just because yeah. it was fun. And I, I, once in a while, I'll still just throw it on and go looking for them. You know, if that's what I want to do. But um, I think the biggest thing to say is like I didn't want to beat the game. I didn't like, either. I, I was dreading the ending. I, I let the game. Ganon sit there for like three or four days while I just did other things that I didn't need to do because I was like, I don't want to be done. The apprehension I felt before activating the final boss wasn't, I'm about to fight the final bosses. Oh no, I'm about to fight the yeah. final boss of this game. Which is funny because like we discussed last week in our Witcher conversation, um, usually I, I I get overwhelmed by too much other stuff to do. But the way they do it, where they don't actually tell you, you're out looking for it. 
it makes me want to explore. So like, you know, I'm doing the normal stuff and I'm exploring for the additional stuff. And yeah, it just got to the, got to that point where it's all like, oh man, I guess the only thing really left to do is to go stop playing the game. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm very I was I was almost like so happy, like tearful happy when I heard the uh, the sequels announced because I finally got a Switch uh, last year, and the game had been out for already a year, right? Yeah, it was it, 2017. It came 2017. out with the Switch. Yeah, but when, as soon as I was done with the game. Like, a couple weeks later, they announced the sequel, and I was like... How awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that felt so good. And, and before we move on, because we'll move on to year number two, but, like, just rem- like if you've never played this game before, there's a moment, like, a minute and a half into the game where you leave the regeneration shrine. I can still remember it, too. And you walk out, and you the piano the starts... The piano, on, yeah. And it basically just pans the world. And it's like you can go like if you can see it, you can go. You can, you can climb that mountain. You yep. can, it's oblivion, you know. It's uh, it's moral wind. It's whatever you want. It's that fantasy. Um, and uh, pointing out that little point that you had before uh, with like other Zelda games, I have played other Zelda games, and I have thought they were wonderful. Like I love Twilight Princess, even though a lot of people hate it. Uh, Ocarina of Time, honestly, super amazing. I haven't beaten all of them, but before Breath of the Wild, I'd say Twilight Princess might have been my favorite 3D Zelda. Twilight Princess was my favorite uh, 3D Zelda. And even considering, I I still love Ocarina of Time. And you still see the influences in the games now. Oh, yeah. No, Zelda games weren't bad, but I was just saying, like, I didn't have that reverence for it. So, like... The, when I heard the argument that this is only good because it's a Zelda game, I'm like, no. I think- I'm, I'm the same way, too. And I will say, no, this game stands on its own. It really does. Um, it, I, I just wanted to point that out. Like, I'm a Zelda fan, and I still love this game. And, and I'm so glad it's getting a sequel. And that, that's a part of my life that I will not be talking with friends or family members <laughs> is when that sequel comes out. Because for the first time since Skyward Sword, uh, I actually care about Zelda. Because in Ocarina of Time, it wasn't about... It was called Legend of Zelda, but it wasn't really about Zelda. She was just kind of there sometimes. Uh, Skyward Sword was the first time you, like, built a personal attachment to it. Twilight Princess, she wasn't even, like, existent for, like, like 90% of the game. And she wasn't even a factor in, like, the main story. Um, at Skyward Sword, she was, like, your best friend. And, you know, that's how the whole, like, Zelda Link thing got started. And then here in Breath of the Wild, you, you're torn. Because at one point you want to go and explore this world and meet all these new people and these interesting characters and stuff like that, and then but there's also that ticking in the back of your mind is she's been in a battle yeah, with Ganon for over a hundred years exactly, <laughs> and this is and the more that you it, it it winds up on itself too in this beautiful way of like the more you explore this world, the more you love Zelda or the more you care about her or whatever like that or or the more you just want to just get to the end and it does it so well and then it. I could talk about this more, but yeah, and, 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 and to your point there, like it's so crazy. You care about her so much, but like they make it very clear, like they're not lovers. In they're Breath not of the Wild. No. like Link likes the fish lady. No, the fish lady likes Link. Well, I'm pretty sure they were. You think they were a thing? They were a thing. I think. Uh, I think Link was giving her the yeah yeah. Ah! Did you read Zelda's diary Mm-mm. in in Hyrule Castle? If you go into her room, uh, spoilers. Uh, if you go into a room, you can find her diary, and you can feel how she truly feels about Link. Okay. And she talks about like you know him guarding her and her and how she feels about it and how she like thinks he's so mysterious and she wants to know more about it's him. Like, I want to get yeah 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 yeah. I think she really likes likes Link in this one, which is a huge 
change of pace in the and, other link. And Fish Lady's dead now. So and and yeah, Fish Lady's uh, Fish Lady's a hundred years dead, and she's a hundred years young. So, <laughs> so out with the old, in with the new, I guess. Right on, Jordan. You're number two, my friend. Monster Hunter World. <laughs> These last two really shouldn't come as shockers. No, I don't they're, know they're why the same as before. <laughs> yes, you know what number one is too. Uh, Monster Hunter you World. Told, you told everybody what it was going to be next last week. <laughs> it's like might as well write my top nine and then what I was when I was planning on bringing out. But yeah, Monster Hunter World. I talk about it all the time. I don't. We don't need to spend too much time on it. Already, people already know why I love it, and we talked about it bringing up to number two what my tastes on it were, and it just checks everything off the list. I was playing it last night with my friends. And the way Iceborne is going on how its final monster is, quote-unquote, it's probably not the final monster, but canonically in the series, it's like the big, like, of Monster Hunter World, it's what we've been looking for in the final boss, which is like, the original Monster Hunter World, there was a there was a monster that appeared that was like a dragon, they were like, hey, this is an infant, we need to kill it before it becomes an adult, because it would be it'll be too much to handle at that point. And the the Iceborne version, okay, we missed one. This one's an adult now. Now we have to take care of it. Bring everyone that we know, and we gotta kill this thing now. So it's it's just it's like a good anime. You let it get to full power. It went. It so got you, to full power, so you and can it fight is it rough. At full strength. Yes. To teach it humility. You gotta feed it like you gotta fight it like three times to kill it once. Um, yeah, it's it's my it's my number two. That's all I gotta say. Like, if this number one didn't exist, it would be my number one. I got a thousand one hundred hours in this game. That's crazy. That is crazy. Jordan, my number one, The Last of Us, originally released in twenty thirteen. It was a late PS three game. I think that gets lost on people yes. a lot since the PS four version came so quickly. I remember you playing when you were still living with your parents. Yes. Um, I know we kind of gushed about this game last week too, but for the time especially, this game looked amazing oh yeah i am so excited to see because naughty dog always is capable of pushing playstation's hardware as far as they always went up themselves too and uncharted 4 yeah that's what i'm saying looked incredible so i can't wait to see what they do with a late generation ps4 game with the last of us part 2 but the game looked good for the time the voice acting is incredible and that's compounded with like just incredible writing like um Neil Druckmann, and there was another guy who helped write it with him. I'm blanking on his name. But they wrote one of the best one of the best stories in a long time. And there we might get a little spoilery with this, so if you don't want any spoilers for The Last of Us, tune out, but you should really play this game. Like so if you haven't, definitely tune out and play it. But it's hard to talk about lo- why I love this game so much without spoiling it. But so within like the first 10 minutes of the story, because um, the game starts like right as the apocalypse is going down, um, Joel, the main character, loses his daughter. Like she gets shot in his arms because the army's all like, no, you can't leave town. We've got to keep this quarantined. And you, you also have to, to preface, the, preface, preface this. Yes, I think that's the worst. Uh, by saying this is the, 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 when this game was released, this was. The fading of the zombie genre. Yeah, people of, were done with People that. were tired of zombies. There was a big part where it was, and this was, like, it didn't bring back the zombie craze, but we're like, okay, this is the right. best it's going to be. 
So yeah, and the story is basically it is a zombie game. Um, it's a fungus. Yeah, like this fungus is growing on. And people. realistic too. Like people yeah. like did math behind it. And like oh, this. Could, yeah, like, like if something were to happen like this, it'd be more like this than your like yes, traditional zombies. Because exactly. like basically like the people are going into like possessed plants almost, and like they're like getting all bloated. And again, it's a fungus. So like it's like a mind killing thing fungus that turned you into like a plant person. Whatever. And as the story goes on, um. Joel meets Ellie, who you come to find out has been bit and is immune to all this. The first person to ever show signs like that. Or so we think. Or so we think, yes. So the whole game, you're moving her across the country. You're trying to get her to like this hospital out west. um, Because it starts in Boston, and I think it ends in Colorado. At least the moving west part. The game actually ends... Where somewhere in the middle of the game takes place uh, with his brother in his town. Yeah. But you're moving west, and you finally make it to this hospital. And, like, there's a bunch of great characters throughout there. There's, you meet a couple, um, the brothers come to mind, where the one brother ends up getting bit, and the other brother just can't live with it, so he kills himself. Like, very, very powerful stuff. There's tests, exactly. And you get to, like, you finally get to this, this hospital that you're working towards out west, and... Oh, I guess before I say that, another like the I think the climax of the game is the snow area. Yeah, where I'll Joel agree with that. Joel's out of commission, and Ellie's basically out looking for supplies, and she gets kidnapped by essentially a child rapist. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Joel wakes up and gets to her in time. But but like that's that's really because their their relationship doesn't start off good. Like yeah. they don't necessarily care for each other. They at hate first. each other. And this is the first time, like, when Joel's daughter dies in the beginning, he's, like, holding on to her. And he's like, hang on there, baby girl. Hang on there, baby girl. And when he, like, manages to kill this guy right before he does terrible things to Ellie, or maybe he did do terrible things, like, I guess that part's kind of left open for interpretation. But I've always just assumed you get there in time. That's what it seems like. like, I definitely don't want bad things to happen to this girl. And, like, he's sitting there holding her. Because, like, this is the first time, like, she grew up in this zombie world, like, this apocalyptic world. So she's not phased by much. But, like, this is the first time she's, like, breaking down. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting there just, like, at the beginning, like, you're okay, baby girl. But, like, he actually was able to save her this time. Yeah. And that was just an incredible part. And I still remember the anxiety of me watching that part, like... It, since it, there's there was nothing like predating this game or whatever like that, we, it could have happened. Like, um, it, it's not like meeting the main character of like a Star Wars show or like whatever like that, and you when you know they survive. Uh, these sort of games can take the creative liberty well to like, oh yeah, she did get raped, or like, oh yeah, she she does die here. This is canonically where she dies because they already they they set it by like the first like few minutes of the game, his daughter dies. Someone you thought maybe was going to be in the game, like, they just straight up said, hey, no, we're not picking favorites. Uh, If someone's meant to die, it's meant to die. And they solidify that fact throughout the game of, like, hey, no one's safe. Like, this is the end of the world. Like, these characters I could care about, like, they could go at any point. And that's just the way this world is. And it just, it, it, it builds that up as well throughout the game. So anyway, and I, I'm, I'm, Kind of recapping the story because the story is the strong part of the game. Yeah, like it plays just fine. It's a third-person shooter, but like this is like truly a game where even even if you didn't like the combat, you probably slog through it just to yeah. enjoy the story. So you finally get out west, and 
Ellie starts getting ready for the surgery because she has to have part of her brain removed, which, as Joel comes to find out, will kill her. And Joel also finds out that she's not the first person that's been immune to this and that all these people have died during the surgery and they've never actually found a cure, but they keep looking because they're supposed to keep looking. Yeah. So you go through this 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 hospital and you kill everyone. You go through this this moral dilemma in your head is like, hey, there's these people that are trying to like save the world essentially, but they're not they're morally gray on how yeah. they're doing it and they haven't been successful so far. So you you have to take the the weight in your head of like, hey, this person that I really care about is about to die. But if they die, the world might be saved. So you're like, what am I going to do? So he just yeah. starts And, and she people. wants this. Like, she's okay <laughs> she with it. She knows she's Because they good, tell yeah. her she might die. Yeah. They don't tell her she's going to die. But they tell her she might die. And she's okay with this. So yeah. th- she's knocked out through this. And, and at this point, you're like, am I the bad guy? <laughs> like, you start wondering. Like, Even during, like, the end scene of the game, you're thinking to yourself. The characters are thinking to herself, uh. Doesn't he, like, lie to L.A.? Well, and he's and, like, okay, so that's the thing. So, like, she's been knocked out during this. You basically kill everybody on your way out of this hospital. You get her, and you start heading back to where your brother lives because you meet up with your brother somewhere in the middle of the game, and then you keep moving, and you're like, we're going back. And she's asked questions, like, what happened when I was out? And he's like, it just it, it, it wasn't meant to be. Like, it just it wasn't going to work. So we decided not to do it, and I'm taking you back. We're going to go live with Tommy. And... The game ends, and she's you're like you're back at Tommy's place, like you're coming over the hill, and you see the town, and she's all like, "Promise me that everything you told me was true," and he's like, "I promise," and it just cuts to black, yeah. and that's how it ends. It ends with him like straight lying to this girl that he's built such a strong bond with, yeah, throughout this whole time, and again, you're just like, I think. I- I think I'm the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like you know, like you know, like throughout the whole game, that Joel's not a good guy, but like he he's been doing some more like the stuff. bad guy. <laughs> but there was no like, there was no bad guy. The bad guy was like the, um, like the morality. Of, like I think everyone was trying to be the good guy, but that it tells a story about how in the world, hey, everyone that's trying to be a good guy, you can be a bad guy in someone else's story. And it's it's the way it works here. I mean, to Joel, like he found out like this is my like he didn't want to see his daughter die again. That's one thing that that propped him to do what he did. But another thing was he just like he was doing what he needed to do, and they were doing what they wanted to do, even though they were under the guise of like doing the right thing or whatever like that. Like I'm pretty sure from another point of view, like Joel saving a child's life is a good thing to do. And, and I always like to tell the story, just an extra little flavor in how the game ended up working for me. Um, you get into the surgery room and you have to kill the surgeons to grab Ellie. And I ran out of ammo, so I had to use my flamethrower on them. Oh my god! Wait, aren't they like, they're they're fence, defenseless too, so they're like begging for their lives. You're like, yeah, please, but no, like they stop. also don't let you through, so yeah. like you have to kill them. You're like, please, but yeah, no! yeah, you pull up the gun and, and they're all like, ah! And, and they're begging for their lives and you're gunning them all down while, you know, she's, you know, incapacitated on the on the counter and stuff like that. And you just go through and wipe everyone else out, so... Yeah, it's, it, it, it's games that make you think. It's games of the centuries and stuff like that that make you still think and not have an answer for that question that you were asking yourself. Like, did I do the right thing? And this game did not need a sequel. It ended 
perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a little bit of DLC, but it just told the story of how Ellie got bit. Mm-hmm. Still very good, but like it didn't ruin the story of Last of Us. Uh, there didn't need to be a sequel. So the fact that they think they have a story worth telling with the sequel, let's go. Trust them. We Let, give them the reins. Let's get on next year. Jordan, let's... Um, What's my number one, Aaron? Slightly less um, (laughs) depressing. Yeah. Uh, Your number one, Jordan. Could it be Persona 5? It is Persona 5, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this game touches everything that I love about video games. It's it's got an amazing, amazing, amazing soundtrack. Uh, Story-driven. Uh, combat's pretty fun because, like, it, it goes by the same Pokemon, you know, rock, paper, scissors, tail as old as time sort of stuff. Things that we know works. And it sprinkles in a little time management stuff. But it's an stuff. adult game. Like, it is a very like adult game. It's like Pokemon yeah. finally grew up. Like, this is, like, I want... It's what I want from Pokemon. Like, it's, it's, it's very much rated M because, like, some of the monsters look a little uh, sus. It's based off of like biblical figures and stuff like that, and reimaginings, and it puts in his- historical figures as well. Like there's a there's and it is actually I said a light slightly lighter, but like I don't know about the rest of the game, but like it's pretty dark starting. Like is, the reason you're going after the guy, you're going after him. It is it is very dark, and the game is is dark. It has dark themes. Oh, the first person that the first palace that you enter, um, he's like a you know he. The te- gym teacher, who's yeah, the gym teacher that seeing, sexually seeing assaults people, yeah, his, and, his lady students, and you start to piece together the stuff just from like the evidence that they show you that's all, like not happening in your vicinity that kind of give you some backstory. But while you're going through his palace, and the palace is like a reflection of this person's like mind and how they feel, and it's just full of lust and stuff like that. You're like, okay, this is starting to get a little like. It's basically like when you go to bed at night and you think about all the awful things. Like, yeah, you, exactly. You think, so, like it's just human nature. Like sometimes you have awful thoughts, but like it's that personified. It, it's seeing your id, and just like visualized as a place, and that's what these palaces are. But at the same time, I start. Uh, it takes on this like. Is cool. You're you're playing Phantom Thieves. You're you're doing these heists to like steal their hearts and stuff like that. And the levels are different places of like robbings. Like the first one is a castle, and you're stealing from like the treasury and stuff like that. The second one is um, a bank. We know it's a is a museum, and you're stealing like an art piece. And then the third one is uh is a bank and you're stealing out of a out of a vault and stuff like that and there's like a pharaoh tomb and a space station and stuff like that it's just a it's it's a heist game and you're like you're planning it out and you're solving all these mysteries and it's not exactly platforming but um but the puzzle solving is pretty fun like it's not overabundant or difficult which means it's it's just like this little thing that's supposed to waste your time a bit mm-hmm. which we're okay with that's why we're playing video games to waste our time uh in a fun way and it it has replayability because that's a huge thing that's on my list is how many times can you, uh, if it's a good story, can you play it again? Can it be done differently? Okay, it's an A plus in my book. Even so, if it's a game like Breath of the Wild or like Last of Us, if it has one good story and you play through it and you're like, I'm satisfied with just that. There's no, it's yielded all other possibilities and stuff like that. I'm okay with that too. Oh, Persona 5, it gives you everything. It gives you a main story that, it, you know, there's different branches to reach in the end, but it's always the end result. There's no, like, alternative endings. There's two endings, but one of them's 
the true ending, I guess. And the other one's just like, hey, you selected the stuff you weren't supposed to. Here's the bad one. Here's the bad ending. Um, and I always love those uh, types of stories and, and what they tell. And Persona 5 does that so well. So much that I love the characters. It's, it's style Persona 5. It's, it's such a stylish game. Like the menus... And like the, the how it blends in with the music. Oh and man, the 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 art style and music, especially when you're in the like dungeons. Like, yes, yeah. uh, I, I love like the. It's just, like a comic book. Yeah, that that's the best way to put it. Like it, you're literally playing a comic book, and it's just like you, you fold the pages, and even if you win, it's like seamless. And there's that grinding mechanic that's in there as well, if you wanted to. And and um, I wish there wasn't as much as a time management system, but it's in the game, and it. it doesn't bother me it doesn't that much. hurt it yeah sure. exactly like it's not something you it's i agree with you it's not something i want to be there but i don't but it's there and you're like oh well being there and yeah. they they designed it to the fact where you can probably do everything you need to do and plus like oh easily i yeah. mean a lot of times i i mean I, we talked about it I, I did the first palace and part of the reason i ended up losing three hours and having to restart was because you ran out of time. Like, you tried oh, using I it too out well, of time, but yeah. like it was because I was also trying to max my yeah. outside of the world stuff. Because I was like, I don't need to go in and finish this right now because I still want to max stuff. Like I want to get as most as much of my real life time as I need to. Like I didn't want to finish that and just start pushing into the next thing. Yeah, so that's what it is. I got like four hundred hours in that game just on the base game. Whenever I, mean, I finally get around to playing that game again, me and the me and the nurse lady are gonna be a good couple oh yeah yeah you're a teenage uh i would say teenage you're like 17 18 in the game something like that i don't know uh things are different in japan i suppose but you know you can you can date your your doctor your local town doctor you can date a uh, reporter you can date you know your classmates your teammates you can date your teacher who's moonlighting as a maid uh, cleaning service or whatever like that she can give you a quote-unquote special massage massages that uh let you go out at night again. Yeah, yeah. You can you can date the local tarot girl, uh, tarot card girl, or whatever like that. You can do all of it. It's just crazy how many like how many options they give you, and they let you like. As far as I know, you can start trying to date them all, and then eventually something's gonna happen. Oh no, you can busted. The you can date all of them at the same time, and at the end of the game, like during Valentine's Day, they <laughs> all show up to your door and like, wait a second, and then they all kick your butt and break up with you, <laughs> and then your uh, your bartenders. Uh, your bartender dad coffee store yeah. owner he's like hey you know what yeah i saw what you did there and one of them is my daughter but you know i used to be like that sometimes too so uh here you go and he hands you like some like chocolate for like valentine's day and that and you had to do that for the completion of the game because you need all the items and that's the only way to get that item is to get chocolate from that one guy and that's the only way he'll give it to you is if you it. date all the women at the same time so there's completely different ways of, of doing it and i'm gonna play it again when royal comes out and i'm gonna play another like it, if it adds another uh 200 hours or something like that because games that give me a new game plus where it's like hey you can uh there's some of the grindy stuff let's take that out you can just streamline the other stuff that you wanted to do see i'm in a weird position here because like it's definitely a game that i know i enjoy playing i started yeah. playing it but at the same time i also feel like i would get what i want out of it just watching you play it it's true. I mean, I, I like watching it, too. I noticed because I, I forced Seth to play it uh, during because sometimes you'll just have a day uh, when we have our game nights with the guys. Like, we'll do Monday, Monday, and then we'll have a day off, and then that's just what 
just the day that the two of us have mm-hmm. and we'll do something we'll watch like the mandalorian that we didn't catch up on or we'll play a game together stuff like that i'm like five episodes behind on that i think that third one was the last one it's seen. it's fun to marathon let me tell you so you're not missing out on too much because you could just catch up all at once with recent technology but uh i was wa- i was enjoy watching him play it and then like seeing his reactions to things like that like he he got the gun thing right away he was uh when the guy pulled out when ryuchi pulled out his toy gun uh seth is like ah it's a it's a world in your head, so this thing's gonna shoot real bullets. And I was like, "Wow, Seth! Like that's very perceptive of you." And then they they explained it. That's the way it works. And he was like, "I knew it." And I was like, "How do you know that?" And I'm like, "Well, they they explained it like it's a it's a mind game, kind of like that. Right. It's things that are fake in the outer world that you don't perceive as being fake in this world unless you knew it previously. So that's that's why I love it. And I'm gonna spend a lot more time on Royal." All right, uh, so that was our top ten games of the decade. Somehow I think this is still going to end up being our longest episode ever, even though it's just been topic of the week. Um, I do want to run through honorable mentions. Yes. I'll start with my list, and then if something overlaps, we can go there. Unless you've got something really important to say, the episodes run long, we'll just kind of run through the list, I guess. I don't have a list, so whatever okay. ones, I can chime in on yours. Otherwise, i got a couple that I can say. Okay. So I ordered mine by year. 2009 was Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. 2010 was the original Red Dead Redemption. Uh, 2011 was Dark Souls. You touched on that. 2013 was Rogue Legacy. I Excellent game. played this game quite a bit. Me I, too. I... I tried real hard to get this in my top ten, and I just, I couldn't in good consciousness put Rogue Legacy on there and not World of Warcraft, so. Yeah, and, and that's it's, where uh, that ended up. it started like the whole like roguelite setting that a lot of people like because of the replayability. People like that stuff. I have South Park, The Stick of Truth, 2014, Mario Kart 8, 2014, because I like 8 better than Deluxe. I liked only one item at a time. I like Deluxe. I thought that was better, but, uh... The Witcher 3 was in 2015. Pokemon Go was 2016. Again, that was um, a big boom. Bring that up because that was a big deal. I think that was the most united America has ever been. You're right, and that was that was the most you've seen people out of their house. Mississippi Park nearby definitely got their uh, workload cover for them. Oh, for sure. Uh, I have Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. That was 2017. I don't think this game would have been on my list, but I played it in VR. Which was an incredible experience. The hour and a half I played a VR over at your house of like Resident Evil Seven, the the VR. It's terrifying. That would land on my honorable mention list. Just that experience alone. Uh, I've got Super Mario Odyssey twenty seventeen. Good. Uh, Player Unknown's Battleground was came out in twenty seventeen. Cuphead came out in twenty seventeen. Destiny two came out in twenty seventeen, but it really didn't get good till like this year. Yeah. Um. So that actually, it probably would have been on my list had it not needed so many expansions to like get back to where the first game was, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, Splatoon two was in twenty seventeen. Marvel Spider Man came out in twenty eighteen. Celeste came out in twenty eighteen. Spiral Reignited Trilogy came out in twenty eighteen. Apex Legends was earlier this year in twenty nineteen. The Outer Worlds twenty nineteen and Crash Team Racing Nitro Field in twenty nineteen. Jordan, did I miss anything? For your honorable mentions, my honorable mentions, I had to put League of Legends on there because it ruined. I'm my surprised st- it wasn't on your top ten. It ruined my scholastic life. Um, I will say this because the reason it's not on my top ten list is I do not enjoy playing the game by myself. It's always gotcha. a call to arms 
It's the same thing with like how Left 4 Dead 2 is not on my list, and it's on your honorable luncheons as well. Uh, games that I do not enjoy playing by myself will not be on my top whatever list. And it's the same with League of Legends. Do I enjoy the game? Well, it's not my favorite game. It's a game I play a lot. It's a game that I have fun with sometimes, but it's too like too much duality. So I'm not going to put it on my top 10 list, but I will do it as an honorable mention because I spent a lot of money and time on that game, and it's also the reason why I'm not in college anymore. <laughs> so it needs to get a shout-out right there. Um, another one, Slay the Spire. If Ooh, it was a yeah, completed... I completely forgot about that. If it was a completed game, it would be on my top 10 list. However, as it is not, I'm not putting it on there. Hey, for, and, but for an early access game, they're doing it right. They're doing it amazing. And I I I love the the concept art that they put on there in, in like lieu of the final stuff. And they said they were only going to have three characters, and they put out a fourth one. And I hope they keep on that trend. I don't of think I ever unlocked the third one. Not promising anything because just keep it going. If it's an early access, you you got yourself a stamp of doing whatever the heck you want without having to worry about consequences. Cough cough Fortnite cough cough. Still in early access. Still in early access. <laughs> Not a full game, guys. Just remember that. Uh, I agree with your PUBG pick. I, I took a lot of time in that as well. Yeah, it wasn't the first Battle Royale game, but that was where it blew up. Yes, and it is not uh, something I played solo. I don't have a single solo win, so I'm not putting that on my I list kinda, either. I would be interested to play that game again now that it is actually optimized. Because yeah, that I, was the big reason I stopped playing that, and I think that's part of the reason Fortnite became oh yeah. what it was. You could run it on anything. You could play the game as opposed to... If you didn't have like a 1080 Ti, you weren't playing yeah, PUBG. I would, I would and even then, it would still go like it, it, it would still hitch all over the place. It would drop down the 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 uh, the houses would be Play-Doh, and I would fall through the the uh, the buildings, and then when it loaded in, I would be stuck in the buildings, falling forever. So and it happened a lot. It was consistent. I remember PUBG tried suing Fortnite. Yeah, like oh yeah, for that a was while. great. That kind of killed it actually. And then somebody posted a picture of like Fortnite a Fortnite building that didn't load for them that looked like a potato <laughs> and they're all like, look, I finally found something oh they copied. God, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that might be it for my uh, my honorable mentions. I mean, I don't think Tekken Tag Tournament <laughs> was released very late. Uh, Tales of Symphonia came out. Tekken Tag Tournament 2? No. <laughs> uh, Tales of Symphonia came out in like 2006, 2004, something like that. Otherwise, that wouldn't be on my list. Yeah, the, no. the sequel wasn't as good, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I don't think... This was a pretty good decade. Yeah, it was a very it was a very good decade. I feel uh, like this was the decade where video games finally made that play to be more than just a child's like thing to do for fun. It's an art form, it's an media, art form. way it's of storytelling. Way of storytelling, exactly. And even like games that are just like fun to play, like everybody's a gamer now. Like, yeah. They might not consider themselves like a core gamer, but like shoot, even Alexis's grandma plays Angry Birds on her phone. Guess what? That she's a gamer. She's playing games. Yeah. Let's, like, let's stop uh, games now. singling like, you out almost people. Don't even, like gamers as a word, like as like t- something to describe people. Like everybody plays games. Oh yeah, don't starve. Don't starve. Don't starve. It's on my honorable mentions. It's uh, it's a, it's a game I played a lot by myself, but it's still it's better with more people. And yeah, it, it's it a probably won't be very hard on my CPU. Maybe when we play over the next two <laughs> weeks, I'll record our session. You should. I'm surprised they didn't do a mobile game of that because that would be amazing. I would buy that. Uh, yep. That's that, That's all we got, isn't it? All right, yeah, that ended up being a big, meaty episode. Jordan, thank you for taking another day out of your week to come. No problem. I gotta go cook. Me. All right, yeah, I probably should 
start thinking about the same thing. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with a more traditional episode. But until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jordan. See you guys.